Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's cast, Distant Manager Basics, part two. Here we go. Okay, so I am is not a a terribly rich form of communication. How important is it that we see individuals face-to-face? Does that add, how much value does that add? And for those people who are remote, what do we do about that? Okay, that's easy. That's webcams, right? I mean, we recommend you increase your use of webcams. When people are distant, if you aren't using a webcam to see them, you're not using a valuable tool that we believe is completely reasonable, Okay. The fact is, seeing another human's face matters to human beings. Even for you Ds and Cs, sorry, you're (laughs) biologically wired to feel that way. Mike, just stay quiet for a minute. Bear with me. (laughs) Um, me. Yeah, kill me. Kill me, Smalls. There are clues in facial expressions and body language that simply cannot be intuited by an overwhelming volume of written communication. And frankly, even even if it could be, most managers don't read written communications from their directs carefully enough, often enough, or systematically enough to ferret it out anyway, right? So for all your directs working for you somewhere else, we recommend trying to use a webcam at least once a week for for at least five to 10 minutes, and frankly, longer if you can. Folks, this recommendation we're making is a trivial minimum. We're actually comfortable recommending half an hour or more for those folks not traveling or simply doing desk work in their home. And a good time to do that half an hour would be during oh, phone what, what one-on-one. We do? <laughs> I'm trying to think maybe, oh, yeah, we could do it during the phone one-on-one, which is the richest form of communication we ought to be having, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, it's the most natural pairing of the technology with your intent which is more information during the meeting designed to further the relationship. And so we urge you to consider doing that. Makes sense to me. But if the purpose of the one-on-one is to develop a relationship and I don't like using a webcam, then how is requiring me to use a webcam in any way, shape, or form investing <laughs> in me in developing a relationship, right? I mean, you're, you're, you're kind of yeah. say you want a relationship with me, yet you want to poke me in the eye. How's that? Yeah. I think if we allow our directs to say it's a relationship between two people and so the relationship has to honor me completely, I think we could say, you know, that's the same argument as directs who say, I don't want to do a one-on-one with you. I I don't want to have a relationship with you. I don't like that. My previous boss didn't do it. And look, there are times when being a boss matters. And if you're a boss and you believe in relationships, it's okay to say, I'm going to have a relationship with you. And it might be hard in the beginning, but we're going to fight through it because in the long run, a relationship between you and I will protect you, will grow you, will increase your performance. And frankly, this is how I manage. But look, there are some people who don't want to use it. And sometimes I joke at a conference, uh, I'll say, people say, well, my, my direct doesn't want to do it. And I'll say, when, when they say I don't want to do it, I'll say, thanks for the input. See you on Tuesday. Um, <laughs> yeah. Look, let me address it this way if I can. Some people say, well, you know, you're in, for, for a home thing, you're invading my privacy, right? But look, folks, it's not an invasion of privacy to want to see your direct's face once a week. It's just not. Some people, some directs might say, and and we think, frankly, when they say it, they're being highly disingenuous. It's not that I don't want you to see my face. The issue for me is that my face is in my house and you have no right to see into my house. Okay. Folks, this argument is, is specious. And by the way, that means plausible on a surface, but actually wrong. Okay. 
We respect somebody's right to keep their home from being a public space or a company-monitored space. And frankly, the whole discussion about privacy uh, is really, really misguided in a corporate work environment for all kinds of reasons. I, I don't need to go into the legal reasons, but a company has an obligation to know what its employees are doing during work time. And if someone does something that's malfeasance using company equipment, the company's liable. But separate from that, we respect somebody's right to keep their home from being a public space, right? We also think, though, that a manager has a legitimate interest, perhaps not a right. And so some of you may say, look, Mark said it's not a right of a manager. But look, folks, there are very few internal corporate rights. So let's not have a discussion about rights, right? We think the manager has a legitimate interest in seeing their direct and their workspace, if you want to argue about the workspace, fine, we'll acquiesce that it is technically part of your home and that it's not, that's not company territory. Although, if the manager inadvertently had to go and see, you know, you took a picture of your workspace or uh, the manager had to come by and pick you up for a business trip or something and your desk was filthy, uh, the manager could easily say, no, you, you need to clean that up, period. And we know that that's a very rare point of view nowadays. Managers say, oh, no, 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 I can't do that. I can't do that. Absolutely, you can. You can do it. And people might push back and say, you can't tell me how to manage my desk. Well, if your desk was at the office, we could. Uh, and that desk, the company owns it. And the computer, the company owns it. And, and Okay, we won't go into all those details. But look, here's an easy answer. So you tell the director, go to a Starbucks or somebody else, somewhere else where there's Wi-Fi in order to do the webcam time, Right. And somebody once said, well, I, my manager can't tell me I have to leave the house for something. Right? It can't, can't suggest I go somewhere else for a meeting. Then why are we paying for you to come to headquarters every once in a while, right? And why are you coming if we can't ask you to come in? Or why are you being allowed to go to the office supply store for work materials and equipment? Sure you can. You go all the time, right? If you can make that decision to go, then we can ask you to go. Or look, hang a sheet behind your head in your office space and cover everything up. If somebody were to say that sounds intrusive, I'd say, gee, that takes 10 minutes tops. You can take it down when you're done. And it's a lot less intrusive than asking to get on a plane to fly to see your boss a couple of times a year. If your direct is worried about the mess in his or her office, tell them not to worry. But you should worry. Just try <laughs> not to think. Try not to think about it. Okay. And I I'll tell you something. It's reasonable for managers to be concerned about the professional space that's used from an employee of the company to create results for the firm. It's reasonable for us to be concerned about that while also trying to honor somebody's privacy about their home. A well-intentioned manager is not violating an employee's privacy to ask to see their face weekly, and reasonable accommodations can be made. Now, for those directors who say, well, that's why I work at home, to avoid having, being, having to be seen... <laughs> You know, it, it happens, right? They, yeah. they come up with all these yeah, arguments. Yeah, it's like, it happens. Yeah, frankly, we'd have concerns about that. We have to have a cast at, at some point about how managers can stop from laughing when their directs say stupid things. But yeah, yeah it's okay. another cast. <laughs> right. On the other hand, the managers are nervous, right? They feel like they're pushing into this whole privacy of the directs. Like, they really don't have as much privacy as they think. But I'm sure there's somebody out there with some legal training that say, well, here's the, the case law that says this, that, and the other thing. I said, yeah, okay, that only applies in the country where the case law actually happened. Uh, frankly, if somebody told me that them working for me for six months, I don't want to have a webcam, or, or, or I was interviewing and they said, no, I would be uncomfortable with that. I wouldn't hire them. I just wouldn't hire them. 
I'd be concerned that I'd be hiring a little lawyer who wants to defend himself on legal grounds all the time. And what I want is better work output. And I'm a good guy. I'm ethical. And I'm asking for reasonable accommodations in order for the maximum amount of work to get done. Now, would we force the issue? Probably not. Would we draw a conclusion that somebody who adamantly refuses such a request probably requires more management oversight than somebody who gladly offers to do so in the interest of building a better relationship? Yes, we would. And we would engage in it. A direct who tells us our interest is unreasonable without specific rationales may feel justified, but their defense doesn't make our request unreasonable. Directs have been wanting not to be managed for hundreds of years. And the manager who allows it is the one who's responsible for not doing their job. I wouldn't have any problem saying to a direct, look, we're going to start using a webcam. And when the direct says, I don't want that, say, okay, but we're going to start. And if I called them and they didn't have their webcam on, I'd say, can I give us some feedback? We don't have the webcam on. I'm going to ask for it. It's a problem. When they say there's a privacy issue, I say, okay, um, let me dot my eyes and cross my T's and we'll go talk to HR. <laughs> And look, by the way, I know there are places where HR would say, no, he's a home where you really can't. There's raw. And and frankly, if we spent time going to lawyers and so on, we discover, yeah, it's completely reasonable. And look, hopefully, you know that if one of your directs complains about having to dress up, even jokingly, the data show that people who get dressed for work at home, and I'm not saying fully suited up and so on, as opposed to just sweats and t-shirts, those people who dress professionally or try to dress up for work are more productive than those who aren't. Look, we'd recommend you look the other way for somebody who travels three to four days a week and then wants to be in shorts and flip-flops in their home office on Friday. But we draw the line at anything you found difficult to look at in terms of the amount of skin showing or robes or, or general dishevelment. Now, they might say, well, I wouldn't want you to see me in robes, so therefore, I don't want you to do a webcam. I'd say, stop wearing a robe to work, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I hate to bring this up. I, I, I bring this up every once in a while. I think I brought it up in a recent cast. Verizon recently started asking all 18,000 of their telecommuters, you're going to have a webcam on nine to five. And uh, I, I'm sure some people quit. And it was absolutely the reasonable thing to do. I actually think the webcam on all the time is probably, it's not unreasonable. I just think it, it smacks of a heavy handedness that I might not want to use. I actually think that managers probably aren't even looking. What I want is a manager spending time talking to someone face-to-face. You don't have to have the webcam on all the time for that. And look, we hope this argument becomes distinctly easier if the person is distant from you, but working in another corporate office or location, right? There's no privacy issue there. They're in the office. It's not unreasonable. It's just a regular old work meeting, and you're using technology to enhance it, the same way that Cisco Telepresence has revolutionized board meetings. I mean, you sit in a boardroom or a meeting room that's been outfitted with Cisco Telepresence, and you get high-definition pictures of other people that are literally arranged around the table, and you forget that they're not in the room with you because they're so lifelike and so full-sized. That's completely normal. And why do we do that? Because we know we have better conversations. The company knows it. The company spends 50, 100, quarter million dollars, 50, 100,000, quarter million dollars a year. Not, I'm sorry, not a year. Each particular uh, um, location to do that. Clearly, we'd bet that the very use of the technology, you know, having webcams on everybody's computers or in a lot of them, or having them in a conference room and having your direct go to the conference room at the other corporate site they're going to, that use of that technology was actually cited as justification for the capital spending on the equipment, right? 
So yeah. why would we want to negatively impact the ORI of a capital spend? If it's not being used, let's use it. Exactly. Can I mention one more thing? There's also, sure. we, we, I got into all the legal stuff. Let me just one more thing. It's okay to say to your directs, hey, look, I care about you. You work for me. I want to see you once a week. It's as simple as that. The person who responds with an, with, with an elaborate legal defense to that, they better be really good at their job. I believe they are engaged. Remember the two reasons manager tools recommends you get rid of somebody is because they fail to perform or they tear down the team. I believe that person is defending an action, which is reducing the, the connectivity of the team. And I'm not going to fire them for that, but I'm certainly going to note it and say, this person makes it harder to manage and they're negatively impacting the relationship between me and them. Good. Okay. So let's set aside webcams for a second and let's just talk about the act of talking with our directs. One experience I had, and I, I'd love to hear what you think about this is that the weekly phone one-on-one with a remote direct was great. Awesome. I, I had directs thousands of miles away once a week, 30 minutes on the phone does wonders. Sometimes it just happened naturally and sometimes it didn't, but there was a distinct difference in the experience for me. And I think the relationship as well, when we talked on the phone at least once a day or so, Right. As a result of right. just normal stuff. Right. It wasn't like not, wasn't not email. You're saying not email. You're saying phone No, yeah. on the phone, on the phone. I yeah. call up and say, hey, right. what about this? Or how you doing on that? Or she had a question for me or whatever. So it wasn't as if I reached out to develop a relationship. It was just normal day to day course of business. And you would say to yourself, I could send an email, but you know what? I haven't talked to them today. So let me just make a quick phone call. Five yeah, minutes, well, OK, I, yeah. I, I'm not going to say I was that smart. I'm just relating experience where it just happened naturally. I didn't try to make it happen. Maybe right. I should have. And there are cases where I would go for weeks and we wouldn't have that day-to-day conversation. Yep. And it made a difference. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. Before I address the whole daily phone call thing, I think we've done it before, but tell the story about managing from Virginia, the the, the direct you had out in Sacramento. Oh, okay. Well, I share this at the conference often where I had a direct, I inherited this organization out on the the West coast of the United States. I'm on the East coast. And I, for a variety of reasons, hadn't met this person ever face to face. And I wasn't able to meet them for three months after the individual joined my organization. And I go out three months later, having had done one-on-ones on the phone every week for three months. And this individual says to me, she goes, Mike, before we even start our, our one-on-one, remember, this is the first face-to-face one-on-one we've ever done. She says to me, I've got to share this with you. I feel now, after three months, having ne- never met you before now, that I have a better relationship with you than I had with my previous boss of five years. You know where wow. her previous boss was? Her previous boss was in the office next door. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. yeah. It, by phone. By phone. That was by all phone. you had was by phone. Yeah. And the issue is not face to face. Yeah. Like face to face is better. The issue is not, I learned then and there. The issue isn't whether or not you have face to face. The question is, do you have regular communications? It's the regularity of it that makes at least the biggest difference. Yeah. You're right. And look, we recommend you try to talk to your directs who are distant from you at least once a day. Look, we said try. You don't actually have to talk to them every day. But we think not talking to them, actually hearing their voice day after day after day is ineffective over time. So we recommend you call once a day. You don't have to schedule it. In fact, we recommend you don't, right? Have a daily task if you like if you're, or a reminder and you make the phone call. Now, look, if you get voicemail, fine. 
If they get voicemail when they call back, that's fine too. That happens all the time. You go by somebody's desk and they're not there and they go by your office later and they don't see you there. And so you don't get a chance that those couple of efforts to, to do so. But if you don't call and there's no scheduled time for you to be in a meeting together, you could go one or two or three or four days without actually hearing their voice. In most cases, you're going to connect at least once in a week, and perhaps you'll actually hear their voice three to four times in a week, as long as you make the call every day. So you don't say to yourself, I've got to hear their voice every day. You just make the call every day. If you end up trading voicemails as opposed to exchanging emails or actually talking on a given day, it's fine. But again, that opportunity doesn't happen without you picking up the phone and calling. On the other hand, what's not fine is 10 to 12 days in a row where you call during business hours and you get voicemail every time. You know, Mike and I are experienced managers here and we can tell you what's happening. They're avoiding you on purpose. And that is unacceptable. That's the equivalent of them not being at their desk when you walk by repeatedly during the course of a normal workday at the office for 10 to 12 workdays in a row. That's not appropriate or reasonable. And if they tell you they're just busy, the chances are very high you're being misled. And we're being generous, by the way, with the 10 to 12 days thing. It would be appropriate to have questions or wonder why you're getting voicemail repeatedly day after day after day after four or five days, assuming, of course, that they are not traveling. Think about what you'd do if somebody wasn't at their desk for several days at work. Even if they show up for meetings that you're in, wouldn't you wonder where they were and what they were doing if they weren't at their desk? You know, I know what somebody's going to say. Well, you didn't tell me I had to be at my desk all day. Yeah, yeah, we know. And if we come by your desk five, let's say eight times in the course of one week and you're never at your desk, and maybe you're in one or two meetings with us during the week. Do we actually know that you're at all your other meetings? No, we don't. Do we not trust you? No. We just kind of wonder where you are. And is it appropriate if you're assigned a desk that you choose, but this week I'm going to work in the cafeteria all week just to get away from things? Well, maybe you're. it's okay to do that, but I'd raise, raise an eyebrow for your manager and I'd say, what's going on? I'd want to know. If you have visibility to somebody's calendar, and there's nothing on there to indicate a meeting or a location in the building where they're working, it's reasonable for us to ask and, frankly, to ask for them to check in periodically. But with somebody working at home, you don't have nearly as many clues, and you need to be more proactive. Okay, now, we understand, right? This is more assertive, or it's the opposite of non-management. It's actually what we're talking about is managing. Everybody has, it seems like in most organizations today, non-management has become the definition of management. We disagree. What we're talking about is management. It probably seems assertive. It is assertive compared to no management at all. And so some people might say, you're behaving like you don't trust me. And look, I get that every once in a while. And over the last 20 years, I've come up with a pretty good answer. Feel free to use it if you like. This is manager tools, so steal the words if it help, if they help you. It would sound something like this. Look, this isn't a question of trust. It's a question of management. All management behaviors could be passed through a lens of, quote, mistrust, unquote. But that suggests that that's what I'm feeling about you when I'm managing you. And I can tell you, I'm not. This is me engaging in some reasonable steps to ensure you and I have a good relationship and that takes time and effort. And that I know what you're doing, I know how you're doing, and I know how well you're doing what you're doing. Look, we pay you at the end of the month because we want the work before we pay. We don't mistrust you. 
But we know it's silly to pay first because some, some people, one in a hundred, one in a thousand, are never going to show up after they get paid in advance. You probably never thought about that before, did you? We expect you to badge in and out every day, past a guard who knows you by name and face, and no imposter could replace you. But he can't say no need to badge in and out today, sir. You just come on in because I know who you are. We expect you to use the corporate travel office because the company benefits from that, when maybe it takes you longer than Expedia or Hotels.com, which are pretty darn good sites, and maybe we even pay a little more for that. It's not that we don't trust you, right? We just ask you to use a system that works for us as well. We ask you to submit receipts, in part for our corporate taxes, even though it might feel like we ought to trust you and just let you say a number and we would give you some cash. <laughs> it's not that the company doesn't trust you. It's not that I don't trust you. It's that sometimes systems are helpful, and I think this system is helpful to us. That's all. And frankly, I think the decline of managerial behaviors over the last 20 to 30 years, maybe even longer than that, but that's my professional career scope, 30 years, I think that has allowed people to say what seems like management, what we know to be management, actually is an issue of trust. And I think, I think when your directs accuse you of not trusting them, I think that's a very dangerous accusation that they're making. I, I think they're, they're saying something about you that is it, it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. Don't tolerate it. You don't, have, you don't have to slap them, right? Metaphysically speaking, you just have to address it and, and, and be calm about it and say, no, this is, not, this is not mistrust. This is management. Some things management do could be construed that way, but the fact is it's not. Yeah. And as a relationship gets better, it's less likely that somebody's going to come to that conclusion when you exercise right. your exactly. role yeah. as a manager. Right, folks. You, uh, you'll notice that uh, we have a change in the quality of the uh, of the audio, and that's a result of we had an issue, uh, technical issue last time, and so we have to finish this podcast up using um, less than ideal situation here on the road, as we often are in a hotel yet again <laughs> in some strange town <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. So here we go. We already talked about uh, on our good quality recording, doing phone one on ones, increasing your use of webcams, and shooting for a daily phone call. And the next point, frankly, I'm surprised you wrote it in here. You write these things, so this stuff comes out of your head. And the fact that we have to talk about, you know, actually demanding shared calendars for distant directs is kind of... I don't even know where yeah, to like start. Why, 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 why would you even have why to would, You'd have to have it, right? Yeah, I mean, okay, but this is manager tools, and you got to assume broad spectrum of people's behaviors and so on. And the fact is, when I talk to people, they're managers who don't have views into the calendars of their directs. And they don't necessarily know, particularly when directs are distant, what are the standards there? What are the systems there? Do they have calendars? Are they in the exchange server or whatever? So... Maybe for 90% of our audience, this is like, yeah, I don't even have to demand it. It's a given. It has to be. If a person reports to me, by definition, their calendar is shared with me. But that's not necessarily uh, true. And I, I think you don't have enough to talk about these podcasts, so you're just making this stuff up. Oh, man. <laughs> but look, for most firms these days, calendars are shared on an exchange server or some other type of corporate server. And generally, bosses have access to them. If your directs are professionals with PCs, they use routinely for mail and other types of work, right? And they're not keeping a calendar. Get them to start right now. If, if, in fact, you have the ability to share calendars and your directs say, well, I don't actually have a calendar, so you're going to start. I don't, I don't care who it is. Now, now look, if you're on a production floor somewhere and they don't, they don't have their own PCs, right? They might share a kiosk. That's different. That's a little different. Yeah, yeah. that's a little different. 
Although certainly you could have them have a calendar on that kiosk and they could log into it and check their sure. calendar and so on. But look, if they have their own PC, get them to start and teach them the right way early before their bad habits of I'm going to leave, you know, my, the time I do work is unscheduled time, which is the biggest mistake that people make. Like, oh, I have an afternoon off and so I get to do whatever I want. No, you're supposed to schedule your priorities, not just say the only thing that go on my calendar are meetings. But look, for distant workers, we know different organizations have different technological ways of connecting. If there is an ability for your directs to log into the corporate mail and calendar servers, set it up if you haven't already done so. Hugely important. Your direct's time is precious, and you need to understand how it's being spent. And if they have nothing on their calendar, two things. One, they're wasting time. And two, you can get them to spend time on the things you want to. Okay. If necessary, have them start keeping a calendar on Google or on Yahoo or some other public free space and request they give you access to view it, either by subscription or whatever mode that service allows. You and I share calendars by Google, right? We right. never got an exchange yep. server. Actually, we had one. We had a small business <laughs> server, and it was a total disaster. It didn't work um, for us, and so we now share calendars with Google. And you and I see each other's calendars every day. Right, And if I worked for you, if I were a director of yours, it would be reasonable for you to say, look, Mark, I expect you to have a calendar. I expect you to keep it. I expect to have access to it. Right. Simple as that. Well, what if, what if I'm working for you and I say, hey, I'll just mail you my calendar once a week? How about that? I mean, you got visibility in my calendar. I'll, yeah, I'll, just, no, I'll just mail I mean, you my calendar. Uh, yeah. Um, look, it's silly. They'll forget, right? You'll forget. Then um, you'll get mad at me because because you didn't actually send it to me, Right. But you see it as intrusive when I have to ask you questions because – or I'm they, – they, you, you'll see me as managing your time, right? right. I don't I came up with that solution, by the way, because I, I figured that after, after a couple of weeks, I wouldn't send it to you. You'd forget about it, and then I'd be off the hook. Right? Yeah, look, look. Right. We're not managing their time. Um, we're just creating roughly the same system they would have if they were in the office – which is not designed to be impressive for them. In fact, it's not actually oppressive. Even if it were designed to be, it's not. Calendars are most frequently of interest to you when things are changing most, meaning printed calendars that are two to three days old are often largely worthless, right? You wouldn't expect any co-located direct to not change their calendar for a whole week just because you had a printed copy, right? right? So a printed copy of a calendar that's always in flux, and people act as if their calendar changing all the time is actually a sign that they're really busy and important. Okay, fine. I'm going to say you're busy and important. I know your calendar is going to change all the time. I don't want you to have to print it out for me every time it changes, and I want to know what you're doing and when you're doing it. It's not That's not over, too much oversight. So I want access to your calendar online. I want to be able to see it. Yeah. And if that means a Google Calendar, fine. It's a Google Calendar. And it may be that I can't integrate that into the Exchange server, so I have to leave a web page up on my computer that shows me your calendar. But okay, fine. For my four directs who are in distant location, I just subscribe to all their calendars and I see their Google Calendar. And if they leave stuff blank for weeks and weeks and weeks and then say they got to go to a bunch of meetings, say, hey, can I give some feedback? When you tell me you have meetings to go to and they're not on your calendar, I don't know that. And that affects my ability to actually be effective with you. Right. Now, let's talk a little bit about why shared calendar. I mean, isn't it? It's reasonable, right? If if you're if you and I are co-located, I run into you in the hallways all the time. You're in many the same meetings I am. I see what you're doing. I have some view into your mm-hmm. professional work life. When you have a remote direct, you don't see that, right? I mean, one of the right. things we, we hear all the time is, "Hey, look, I got a remote direct. We, we're talking about feedback, and they say, well, I don't have that much opportunity to give people feedback.' And visibility into a calendar and how they're pl- using their time." 
is a whole garden full of, you know, for, with, with tons of fruit for plucking yeah, 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 in terms of feedback, right? Exactly. Because particularly if you're an executive, how you spend your time and your priorities are on your right. calendar, that's a reasonable thing to give people feedback. Hey, I see you're spending all this time on this priority, but you got five other yeah. responsibilities and I see nothing on your calendar about it. I'll even make it easier than that. People will say, I've got a crazy busy week. I got tons of stuff to do, and they got nothing on their calendar, right? It's like, no, don't tell me that, right? I mean, what you're saying is you're unwilling to schedule your time. So, look, no offense. You you can say that way if you want, but you're never going to be a manager, and you're certainly never going to have a shot at being an executive. If you want to be a manager, if you want to be an executive, you're going to learn how to manage your time. And really, managing your time, of course, is about managing your priorities. And that means you have to have a calendar, and you have to keep track of the things you're responsible for, and you have to let other people know when you're busy, Right? If they're not hearing from you for a couple of hours on an urgent email because you're in an offsite for the afternoon and they don't know about the offsite, it's your fault for not yeah. keeping people posted. Yeah. yeah. And and your boss. Keeping your boss updated yeah. might be yeah. one so of those whether somebody is in a distant location but at a corporate office or whether they're in a distant location and they're in a home, you can demand a shared calendar and you can expect people to keep a calendar. And even if they say there's almost nothing ever going to be on it, fine, that's okay. Leave nothing ever on it. But the stuff that's on it, whether it's doctor's appointments or whether it's time away from the office or whether it's trips for clients or whatever else, I want to see it on there. And I want to know how that's going to affect your ability to get work done. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, finally, at least as part of this first set of recommendations, we recommend that you ask your directs who are distant from you for more frequent updates, right? You want to know what kind of what they're doing, what their status is, how the work is going, how the work is going for them, how the work is going for others, right? When you're distant, yeah. you need more of that stuff. Yeah, if you're doing work, project work, for instance, whether it's for you or others in, say, a matrix organization, set up a weekly project call of 30 minutes. In this meeting, they brief you on the status of their tasks and the project. If they're managing the project and involve resources of yours, you ask that they give you an overall project status update, including the work of their team. Okay? That's normal, right? How about a, the, uh, uh, an online, you know, web-based tracking tool? Is that, is, is that, yeah, is sure. that okay? It's absolutely reasonable to allow them to do something like that, to update a web tracking tool. Totally fine. That's an update, as long as they understand that you hold them accountable for updating that site. Right? We're fond here of saying a task that's completed but not yet reported on is a task that's not completed. To paraphrase Michael Swenson and Stephen Covey, to do and not report is not to do. And you might think, well, I already ask all my folks to do this, so is it really asking for more frequent updates? Perhaps not, maybe, but, but it's been our sense that even when managers actually have access to a project status tool, they don't check it often enough. Yeah. With distant directs, that's a more serious of a, that's even more serious a concern for than for those who are co-located. Yeah, and, and, and web project web status web project updates is, is just one part of it, right? We recommend you go further than just project status. We recommend for distant employees when you have the opportunity to set deadlines in any work, you set earlier ones than you normally would for a co-located direct. Earlier deadlines and all activities. You heard us right, folks. Does that mean they, they get you're actually going to give them less time? So if it's a, say it's a, a week, uh, a task that would normally take a week, you're going to give them, you know, say it's a seven-day task, you're going to give them five-day five day deadline? If it's a five-day task, I'm going to give them three and a half or four days. Really? Yeah. I want more frequent status because that takes the place. I don't want to have to wait a whole week when, in fact, if you work for me co-located, I'm probably going to ask you twice during the week, are we on track? Are we on track? And you're going to say, yeah or no, or I have a concern. If I'm not going to be talking to you in random one-off moments when we're running into each other or when we're in meetings together and I say, how is Project X going? I have an obligation to know 
earlier or to the same level of fealty to the overall status how you're actually doing. Okay, so you're not so you're not suggesting. I, I thought what you said was, hey, if it's a six day task, I'm gonna give my remote direct because the remote they only get three days. What you're saying, I think, is. You'd, you'd have them report every three days. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. No, they absolutely. still get this full six days. They, yeah. don't, they don't have to be yeah. faster, more efficient. Yeah. Although, okay. to tell you the truth, most managers under uh, overestimate the amount of time things take. Okay, that's another. Right? That's another yeah. Thing, but, yeah. yeah, but yeah, exactly. So, in other words, if I would normally have weekly reporting, which, frankly, is too long in the beginning, right? We recommend as frequent as daily reporting on an early task. But for somebody who would say, okay, I need weekly reporting, then you'd say immediately, I need biweekly reporting gotcha. for those people who are distant. When the distant people say, well, that's harder for me, you say, yeah. And managing is harder too, and you're gonna have to meet me somewhere in the middle. So, yeah. Does it make it harder for the direct? Yeah. Managing a distant direct is harder as well. So it's a fair trade. Let's put it differently. It's it's harder to be an effective manager of distant directs. Does this also address the risk inherent in the separation? Yeah, it does. There's a risk to the organization as a person being separate. And so we're gonna ask for more frequent updates. That's a way to mitigate the risk of somebody being distant from us. And you can't shirk the obligation of addressing the risk of somebody being distant from you and you not being able to check in a random way, in a regular way, in an offhand way, in a one-off way for how they're doing on a given project, a given status, a given task. It's not rocket science. On the other hand, it's good management. That's what it is. Right. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. So, so wrapping up, we recommend phone one-on-ones. We recommend webcams whenever you possibly can. We recommend you shoot for a daily phone call. It's okay to exchange voicemails, but we want to make a phone call to them. And if they keep putting you off on phone calls, then you got, you got to be careful. You got to be concerned. You've got to get shared calendars, and you've got to get more freaking updates than you would expect on work from people who are co-located with you. Look, there are some directs who may not like some of these managerial efforts. We understand a little bit about their desire to not be managed. But seriously, do you really think that your lack of management of them makes them inherently more productive? Lack of management, in our experience, under management, doesn't make people more productive. It makes them less productive. I know they say they're the exception. They don't need to be supervised or whatever. Well, it'd be nice to not have a boss. Everybody says, I finally don't have a boss, right? (laughs) Okay, great. Start your own company. There's a different kind of risk in not having a boss, right? Are you willing to say, after a poor performance on their part, on one of your distant directs parts, that you didn't have good visibility into their situation because you were far away and so therefore didn't give them a chance to correct the error before they actually made an error in front of everybody else? Help them be successful. Yeah, exactly, right? The standards for you to produce results are the same whether your team is near or far. We recommend you manage differently than everybody else. This is manager tools. And we recommend you become more willing to assert yourself to make sure you have a good relationship with those folks who are distant and hold them accountable as well. This is just being slightly more assertive to address the risk inherent in people being distant from the manager. Simple. Makes makes a lot of sense. Yep. All right, my friend. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks, partner. Thanks, everyone. That concludes this series. And we'll see you again next week. Meantime, have a great one. So long.